it's one thing to have a breakthrough. Breakthroughs are awesome. It's a, you know, breakthrough is a new awareness, a new piece of information, a new idea. Right. But there's a difference between a breakthrough and a transformation. Transformation is real long lasting change. All right, guys, growing your wellness business doesn't have to mean working around the clock and feeling exhausted. So welcome to the Healthy Hustle Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Feldman, and I have been in your shoes. I've been in the wellness space for over nine years, and I know what it feels like to feel overwhelmed. I took my wellness business from 13K that first year and feeling fried and exhausted to over six figures. Now I'm a business coach for health and wellness professionals just like you, and I create done-for-you content and programs to help you save time and money so you can spend more time nailing down your niche, understanding your buyer avatar, attracting your ideal client, and building your business from the ground up the right way. So sit down and let's get started. Hey guys, I'm so excited to be here with my new friend, Joanna. We are going to talk about resistance, not only in your business, but with your clients. She's going to be talking about the archetypes that she's come up with, and it's going to be a really interesting convo. So Joanna, can you please introduce yourself to everyone listening? Sure. And thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation. Yeah. So I have been in the coaching and transformational industry for over two decades now. And um, what I'm really passionate about is supporting practitioners. So coaches, therapists, transformational practitioners in order to go deeper with your own clients so that they can overcome their obstacles, you know, all the things that hold back from their goals and also to help practitioners and entrepreneurs Um, get over your own obstacles and so that you can reach your goals. Did you come up with these archetypes out of your own work and doing the transformational healing that you've been doing? Absolutely. So it's a combination of, you know, working with my own clients for all of these Um, years and seeing, um, you know, even if we do the best visioning and the best strategizing and all the things, inevitably, there, there are going to be blocks that come up. And as I was working with my clients to move through those blocks over the years, I saw that there were certain categories almost that people fit into um, when, when they met resistance, when they hit something, they were like, oh, I don't want to do that. And then also, it's from observing myself for <laughs> many years of being an entrepreneur and a human and hitting my own blocks and seeing some of my own reactions when yeah. the going gets tough to think. Well, and I think that's the life of the entrepreneur. And we don't think about, I don't think when I went to coaching school, I didn't think about that as much. I didn't think what were going to be those entrepreneurial ups and downs, but we get out of school and we have to market ourselves and we have to strategize to get out there. And we find, I find that a lot of coaches have resistance at that point. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're right. Because we're taught the the skills to coach, yeah. but that doesn't mean that we have overcome all of the fears of, you know, being seen 
routine and stretching ourselves and yeah. worries, you know, all, all of that. And, and that's when those fears get activated when we actually go to put ourselves out there. Well, and I would say that every coach also listening is going to be really interested in listening how it fits in with our clients, because we have those clients that come to us and they're like, go, go, you know, hit me with everything. And then they just stop. Absolutely. Absolutely. It doesn't matter what the goal is, whether it's a business goal or a health goal or a relationship goal. It's one thing to know the plan and even to know how to get there. And then it's another thing to actually execute on it. Um, in ways that feel good, in ways that you don't self-sabotage, in ways that you don't procrastinate, you know, all of that. So let's dive into it right away. What are these archetypes? Because I'm sure everyone listening is saying, just say it, just say it. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Well, okay, before I just say the archetypes, though, I want to share one piece that I think is important, just when we're starting to talk about resistance, Um, because I think it will help put the archetypes into context. So oftentimes for ourselves or when we're working with clients, as we've been talking about, this thing comes up that becomes like a wedge. You know, it's like, I wanted to make that video. I wanted to start that new exercise routine. I wanted to raise my rates, whatever the the thing is. And um, sometimes when it's easy, our client we'll say, or we'll say to ourselves, oh, it's just a fear, right? I know it's a fear of change, or I know it's a fear of being seen, or I know it's a fear of other people getting angry at me. When that happens, it still takes skill with our clients and with ourselves to work with the fear, to understand it, and to move forward. The resistance that I'm talking about or that we're talking about today is a little bit trickier than that. Um, this is when we don't do something and instead of just realizing, oh, I'm not doing this because I'm scared, we go into what I call resistance. So we go into like, oh, but that was just too hard to do. Or, oh, my coach didn't give me the right instruction. We go into into excuse mode. Exactly. All (laughs) of the excuses, right? And so that's what we're talking about here. When the fear hasn't become aware, we haven't become aware of the fear yet. It hasn't risen to the surface. And I always like to say, it's like, there's always going to be a core fear and it can be, you know, tons of different core fears, abandonment, you know, people hating us, whatever it is. And then the resistance is really sneaky and tricky. And it kind of like wraps itself around the fear and distracts from the fear itself with the excuse. Oh, wow. So, um, because the ego knows that once we can actually name the fear, then we can start working with it and and dissipate it. So the resistance is like this really sneaky mask that has us look in all the other different directions. I love that word distracting because I feel like when I talk to coaches and even myself, if I'm scared to do something, I will find excuses. And then I just have to come It like old stories come in. That's what for me, those old stories come in. And then I just really need to stop and say, screw it. Yes, That's the only exactly. thing. Because I'm not going to get through the fear unless I start. Yeah. Yeah. And I think 
Rachel, you're lucky that you can just say, okay, stop and screw it and go and do the thing. I can do that sometimes too, but there are a lot of times, and I think we've all worked with clients where they can't just muscle through it or say, okay, that was from then. That's not right. You know, that we, we have to kind of finagle our way in. Well, I think that comes, let me just say this, that that comes with a lot of work, many years of working on myself, many years of therapy, many years of different types of therapies. And I'm pretty good at recognizing what fear is. It's just getting to that point. And the screw it sometimes takes months. It doesn't happen overnight just because we're aware of it. We can start working on it, but muscling through isn't always it I you say muscling through but I I know what you're talking about (laughs) yeah and I'm so glad you're speaking to this piece of it doesn't happen overnight you know we sometimes just think like oh now I know what you know what the fear was and boom but it does take work sometimes yeah it takes a lot of work and I think I think it takes working with skilled practitioners that's why I'm so happy that you're talking about this today because before we were even recording, we were talking about like the marketing that coaches were doing and not focusing as much on, on the client sessions. And I think this is a really important conversation, not only for the entrepreneur, but also for that entrepreneur coaching their clients. Absolutely. Because the easy at the end of the day, the easiest marketing comes from happy clients who've reached their yeah. goals because they're the clients that we sign. Those are the clients that send referrals. And then we as practitioners, when we can help our clients get over their obstacles, we feel more confident naturally yeah. yes. put ourselves out there, right? So, um, so anyway, so that's, that's kind of a little bit the psychology behind the resistance archetypes. Um, I'll name some of the most common archetypes, but these are just the most common ones, but there can be so many others. Right. Right. Um, and what's important to say is when, when I use archetype, I don't mean that we, or our client that is exhibiting the traits of this archetype, it's not that they are fully this thing. It's just that this part of themselves is getting activated when they go into fear. Yeah. So the first is my most favorite because this is one that I often go to myself (laughs) until I catch myself. And I see a lot of people go into this line, which is the victim archetype. Yes. Oh, yes. I've been there (laughs) myself. I've been there and it's such a painful place to be in. It's so hard because for the victim archetype, when something seems scary, when something seems tough, when something seems like, I don't know if I can do it or I'm scared of what's going to happen if I do it, the victim goes into a place of helplessness. This can be someone who is completely empowered, right? But all of a sudden they feel like they have no choices. Nothing is going to work. And it's as if there's something that is, you know, either an actual thing or an invisible thing, the universe, whatever, that's working against them. And all of a sudden they have no agency and they just cannot help themselves, right? So this with clients, sometimes um, it will sound like, oh, that was too hard. That was too overwhelming. I'm never going to be able to carve out enough time to do that. 
um, right. you know, what the tech gods hate me and that's why I couldn't <laughs> do the video ever, you know, we're not talking about this once, right? But it right. just becomes a pattern. This is a theme. Um, exactly. So that's the victim. Um, another really popular one is what I call the judge. So the judge, when the judge is triggered or in their defenses, they go into criticism. Oh, so yeah. I've seen I couldn't people. do it. Like, let's say they're talking to their coach. I couldn't do it, coach, because you didn't give me the right strategy. Yes, I've had that kind of client. Yeah, and those are tough, right? For practitioners, those are tough because we have become coaches, healers, therapists, because we really want to help people. And we take like the work that we bring, we take it really seriously. We want to be of service. And when a client says it's your fault, and sometimes with the judge, they won't necessarily directly say it's your fault. It's like a little bit of a passive aggressiveness, a feeling of, <laughs> right, of a, like an eye roll or it's your fault without it being directly said. And that, that makes it hard if, if, the practitioner hasn't worked with resistance, their own resistance, and how to support clients through resistance archetypes. What can often happen is then our resistance archetypes get activated. We become the victim, or we become the judge back out them, or another, you know, another defense mechanism goes up. Yeah. Instead of understanding in that moment, instead oh of pausing. God taking right. a pause and really looking at the situation clearly instead of in a triggered state. Exactly. So we, we don't want to let our clients' triggers trigger us as well. Yeah. And the thing with the judge, I always just like to say, you know, even in a little toe dip like we're doing today, but it's important to say when a client has a complaint, first thing first, we do need to look and see did I do something wrong? Did I make a mistake? Yeah. Was there something I could have done differently before just rushing to like, oh, it's just their fear and their resistance, right? We, right. we do want to ethically. I think that's the them. hardest thing about being a coach is that you really have to take a look constantly at how you're guiding a client yeah. and also like what you're promising on your sales call. Because I think a lot of that judge and sometimes even the victim can come from like a coach making promises that aren't really attainable That's and right. then giving a, a client like too much to do. Absolutely. We have to look at our marketing promises. Whenever I'm on a sales conversation, I often say to the prospect, if you're looking for the coach that's going to fly you to the moon and back overnight. Yeah. I am not that person. This takes work. This takes time. This takes effort. There's going to be bumps in the road. It's also going to be fun and amazing, but right. I want to be clear about what this process is. Yeah, I do the same because I think it can be really easy for a coach to have this big idea of what's going to happen instead of saying like, we're going to go through this process and we're going to work with you to figure out the best strategy for you. Yes. 
Yes. And the process of change takes time. You know, we've hit it a couple of times already in this conversation. It's, I always like to say, you know, it's one thing to have a breakthrough. Breakthroughs are awesome. It's a, you know, breakthrough is a new awareness, a new piece of information, a new idea, a new connecting the dots. Right. But there's a difference between a breakthrough and a transformation. Transformation is real long lasting change. Breakthrough is a step on the way to transformation, but then we have to put in the less sexy work of actually getting to the change. Yes. Which can be hard. I mean, I think that's the thing, whether we're talking about the entrepreneur right now or the client, it's that that change is hard. If it weren't hard, we would be doing it by ourselves. But that's why we get a coach to help us go through those that process. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'll name a couple more of the resistance archetypes since they're they're kind of fun. And I know people see themselves in them or our clients. Um, one that we haven't named yet is the flake. Um, <laughs> the flake is the person who is normally completely on top of things. They know how to get things done. They show up for sessions. They show up for homework, all the things. But when they're faced with something that is triggering or stretchy or brings up a lot of fear, (laughs) all of a sudden they forgot the instructions. They're confused. They forgot we had, you had a session on that day. Um, you know, they procrastinate. It's like all of their ability to, to be sharp and on top of things and know how to get things done. It's out the window, out the window. completely. (laughs) Um, Can it, is it possible where we're each one of these archetypes at different times in our life? Absolutely. And not even different times in our lives, but with different situations, I sometimes might show up as the victim in one kind of situation, but the judge in another, right? right. So, and our, for our clients as well. Um, and I like to name, again, I like to name the archetypes, not because our client is this thing or we are this thing, but so that we as practitioners can recognize for our clients or for ourselves, oh, this behavior is up yeah. right now, yeah. but it's just a distraction from a a deeper fear. One that is particularly tough for practitioners when a client shows up is the needy one. This is the client who's like all of a sudden sending, you know, novels of emails in between (laughs) sessions. They need your help. And of course we all want to help our clients. We want to hold their hand through their journeys, but this is the client that's completely self-sufficient when they're not in their defenses. And then all of a sudden- codependent. Yes, that codependency, (laughs) right? And as practitioners, we need to know how to create awareness on these patterns in loving and respectful ways for our clients and then help them work with the fear that's coming up and then help them with a solution around it, right? Because the thing is, when we are the crutch for our client, or even when we take judgment from the judge that's not warranted, we're not doing our clients any favors, right? We're not helping them build those muscles to actually get the things done. So what would be a nice solution for the needy client? Because I think a lot of us get 
those kind of clients? What are ways that you handle the needy client? Yeah. So all of these archetypes, even though they have their own nuances, there's a three-step general process that I'll share and then I'll apply it a little bit more to the needy one. Okay. So the first step, okay, there's actually even a, a pre-step that's a step <laughs> zero that I want to mention because it's so important. We And you already spoke to it a little bit before, Rachel, but it's so important. I want to underline it. Before we say a word as a practitioner, first things first, take a pause and then love love on our client in all of their resistance in all of the ways it might be annoying or whatever it is remember that they're a human and humans are messy they have fears that come up right and also love ourselves in the situation no i haven't done anything wrong as a practitioner to make my client act this way this is just a normal symptom of a deeper fear right so i call that energetics the energy that we bring to any client session because it doesn't need, what we say is going to be dictated by how we feel towards ourselves and our clients right especially in those tough situations are you struggling with email marketing for your coaching business building an email list is crucial to connect with your clients and increase conversions but it's not easy. That's where the Cleaning Hacks List Builder and Marketing Kit comes in. You'll get everything you need to build an email list of raving fans and potential clients, including a lead magnet, cover images, opt-in page, thank you page, and follow-up emails. And the best part, it's completely free. And if that isn't enough, I've also created video guides to walk you step-by-step through the setup process. Download your free kit and make it happen. So number one, energetics, love, 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 all around, respect, all around. From there, with any of these archetypes, next step is lovingly create awareness on the pattern, right? So we're going to use all of our creating awareness skills as coaches to reflect what we're seeing. Right. So in the case of the needy one, uh, and well, I'll say step two, because you can kind of put them together. We're going to create awareness and then we're going to normalize. We're going to let our client know that it's normal for this thing to show up, that they're not a weird or a freak because they're needy or because they're a victim. Right. Because as soon as we create awareness, we don't want our client to go into shame, right? Oh my God. And then they'll, so we, we want to name, create awareness and number two, normalize. So the way it might sound with the needy one could be something like, you know, Rachel, you are such a self-sufficient person. I always marvel at what a get it done person you are. And tell me if I'm getting this right, because I might not be. But I've noticed lately that particularly when it comes to making this video, because it's a little scary for you, all of a sudden your self-sufficiency goes out the window. And even though you know the right thing to do, it feels almost as if you, you need me, like you're overly relying on me to take each little step and make each decision. And while I love, love supporting you, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't also allow you space to make your own decisions. Right. 
Wow. Am I getting that right? Right. And then you might add in the like, it's normal. It's so normal when we get scared. Right. Or maybe even help them share a story where you've been the needy one and help them to see that they're not alone. Exactly. Right. So that way we're not putting the client on the defensive. We're giving them agency to say, yeah, that really resonates or no, you're getting it wrong. (laughs) It's not true. I just really need your help in this situation. Right. Most of the time though, when you put it that way, the client will see it. And then Um, If you want to go a little deeper before getting to the solution, right? So just the creating awareness alone will start to poke holes in the story, in the archetype. If you want to go deeper, if you have tools for working with fear, you would do that. Even sometimes just the simplest little question of where else in your life does this remind you of? Where, what is another time when you have gone from being totally in your power to thinking you need somebody else, right? And even that alone can kind of loosen that resistance up even more. I teach a technique called befriend your fear, you know, that you you might want to do if you wanted to really go deep into the fear. But regardless from there, where you want to land is what is a way around this. Yeah. You might strategize with your client on that. Once they have the awareness, once they're seeing all the things just through what we've described so far, then you might say, all right, how about this? I'm going to, I love answering your emails. I love receiving your emails, right? Because you don't want them to think that you don't want to hear from them. Right. But what if the next time you have an urge to send an email First, you come back into your power, into the part of you that knows that you can get this done and try to do the thing. And then if you really can't shoot me an email or the client might say, you know, what I really want to do is X, Y, Z, right? I'm going to send you one email a week, letting you know how things are going, but I really want to see if I can make these decisions and take these actions throughout the week. That's beautiful. I think that's really, I, I love the conversation that you have around that because I know that this kind of resilience shows up so often in coaching, whether it's a coaching an entrepreneur or whether it's coaching clients. Absolutely. Or human beings, as you said. I think we need to remind ourselves of that at times, but also remind ourselves that not push that, that resilience often comes from like an old story. Completely, completely. One of the things that um, I often teach when I'm teaching about how to work with fear is one of the one of the pieces that you want to make sure you cover when you're supporting a client or yourself with a fear is what are the what is the difference between the resources that you had in the past when the fear first got activated versus the resources that you have now in the present moment. Because when we can support a client to see the difference between the then and the now, they see that they have everything they need usually to deal with a situation or they know where to find the help. And to remind them that they are self-sufficient. I love that you, I love that you brought that clearly in because I feel like that person could go deeper 
if you don't bring that to light and say, you're really doing a great job. You're very self-sufficient. Look at how you operate all the time. But when we come up against this, there are some resilience that I say. Absolutely. We want to be reminding our clients of their resources and everything that they have inside. And, and, and as practitioners, we want to remember that we're not there to do it for them. Right. We're there to support yeah. them. One of my very first coaches, she said this, and I, I always loved this. She said, I can tell you where the river is. I can tell you the name of the river. I can tell you how to get to the river. I can walk you to the river and I can even hold your hand as you walk across the river. But what I can't do is take you on my shoulders. Across yeah. it. And I just feel like that it, me right? a long time ago. Like you're not here to save your client. That's right. You're here to guide your client. Yes. You're not here to take on your client's stuff. That was a tough thing for me as I always took on my client's stuff and it would wipe me out. Yeah, it can be exhausting. So yeah, and um, you know, and then from there, it's really just about coming up with a plan and then supporting your client to uphold, okay, whether it's about the email or if it's the victim, okay, I'm not going to go into helplessness right away. I'm going to remember that I actually have choices here, you know, and the coach might say, I'm going to remind you that you have coaches in these situations. I'm going to remind you of this conversation, right? And, and go from there. Now, like I said earlier, sometimes you are going to want to do the deeper work um, and and often it's somatic work of what I call befriending of fear, you know, going deeper into really working with the fear. But surprisingly, a lot of times just having this conversation that we're kind of laying out right now is enough to get a client going and right. can be enough for ourselves to get ourselves going with our own goals as well, at least for a period of time. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I I think being reminded that you have everything you need at your fingertips is such an important thing because when we do feel those old feelings of like abandonment or fear or shame or all the different things that come up, we can remind ourselves that like, I'm not in that scenario that I used to be. I think that was beautiful that you said that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it really does make a difference because in those moments that the fear comes up, we forget, right? We yeah. think we're back 20 years ago or last yeah. year when that person insulted us or right what what we're not in the present moment. And a really um important piece of work that we can do as coaches and practitioners is remind people of what they have in the moment. Yeah. So what are the rest of the archetypes? Let's see. I'll name a couple more of, like I said, there's so many, but I'll name a couple more of the most common ones. So as part of the, the flake, um, you know, there's a subset of that, which is the procrastinator. I feel like procrastination (laughs) just gets its whole own archetype, um, you know, because it's so big for so many (laughs) people. Um, But ones that we haven't kind of looked at some of the behavior behind it. So there's what I call the spiritual one. I am very spiritual and spirituality. um, But for this resistance archetype, this is the client that is like that I am too spiritual to do that. 
Like I, I am all love and light. So, you know, sometimes it might be, I can't raise my rates because that's not spiritual enough, or I'm not going to look at that fear because I only look at the light. I won't look at the darker things, you know? (laughs) And it's almost like when spirituality again becomes an excuse or a distraction for taking the action or doing the deeper work that needs to be done or taken in that moment. I love that. I'm trying to think, I've had people say, I can't raise my rates because it doesn't feel in alignment. But I wonder, is that kind of the spirituality one or is that another fear? So I think it, I think it depends, right? And this is why we're always going to use all of our coaching skills and our questioning skills, because sometimes it's truly not aligned for someone to raise their rates for whatever the reason is because of them or who they serve. Other times it's a fear. I'm scared if I raise my rates, people won't buy, or I'm scared if I raise my rates, it means that I'm money hungry. Yeah. I'm scared yeah. if I raise my rates, people are going to get angry, right? So we we that's why we do have to noodle deeper sometimes. We can't just say, okay, they said it's out of alignment, right? We want to noodle deeper to see, is this coming from a fear or is this actually- Or is it actually how they feel in- in all conscious being. Yes. Are they using it as an excuse? This it's not spiritual enough or the, even the alignment word is a very like spiritually oriented word. Right. Or is it actually true that it's not? I love that. I think, I think that's the coaches. I said, even before the coach's job is to kind of help the client unravel where the behavior is coming from. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So we want to be using those questioning skills, those listening skills, the creating awareness skills to really understand. Um, one one more archetype I'll name for now, um, and this is also another tricky one in a way, is what I call the jokester. So this is the person, right, that comes to the session and is like, yeah, I didn't do the thing, but it's okay. Like they're just lighthearted. This is the person in groups that you're doing something maybe very serious with the group. And then they just like, they crack a joke instead. Yes. Um, you know, and again, none of these archetypes or, or these behaviors are bad in and of themselves. It's great to have lightness. It's great to crack a joke, but is it coming in the right moment or is it coming because the person is uncomfortable right. with what just happened? <laughs> right? I always think about my husband when I was in birth, when we were in birth class together and it was real serious. It was talking about cervix and everything. And my husband cracked a joke. And I said right after, he's just a little uncomfortable talking about this, but it was like dead silence. And he cracked a joke. And I will never forget that because it was so funny. Of course, everyone started laughing. He was like, I just need to lighten up the air. But it's like, it's different when you're in retreat. It's different when you're in group, kind of the person continually does that. That's right. It's again, it's a, it's a little bit of a pattern. It's not once. And it's when it's, it's really inappropriate, not when yeah. the room really does need to lighten up. <laughs> Absolutely. And it, and it's when it, then it impedes people from their goals or from really yeah. looking at, you know, a part of themselves. It's funny that you brought up your husband because I was going to say before 
um, even though I've worked on my resistance archetypes for so long now, um, still when I'm with my husband, it's like, that's when some of those archetypes get activated. Right. So this happens in our personal lives too. I right. might say something and he's maybe a little eye rolly and then I go into my victim and then we're just like yeah. dancing. Right. And so I just mentioned it because we want to notice this in our personal lives. And then also we don't want that to happen with our clients as well. Yeah. That we're kind of well and I, I think the, the interesting thing about being a coach, I always said, starting a coaching business was the best therapy because you are looking constantly at yourself and your own insecurities, your own pain, your own fears, and seeing where they come up because a client may say th something and you're like, oh my God, I've, I've done that or I still do that. And it's not. So it's like, we get to look at our own and we get to help our clients unpack some of those issues that are happening for them because they are so near and dear to our heart. It's so true. So what are, tell me some other ways that you help people come out of fear. Can we dive a little into that? Because I think that's really interesting. You talked about befriending. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, kind of on a foundational level first are just important for all of us to understand for our own fears. And, you know, when we're working with clients, fear is a normal, natural part of growth. And yeah. it's just so important to normalize it and to understand that we need a healthy dose of fear in our lives. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes that fear of visibility, it is warranted, right? We shouldn't go and make ourselves visible in that way. Sometimes that fear of, um, you know, whatever it is, right? And I, I often liken it, the metaphor I use is um, to a smoke alarm. So in the kitchen, so we need the smoke alarm in the kitchen, right? Because there could be a fire and it's right. gonna let us, right? And that's the fear, right? The problem is when the smoke detector doesn't know the difference between burnt toast and yeah. a fire in the kitchen. That's a great example. That is such a right. great example. So we need, you know, some fear of abandonment. We need a healthy dose of fear of visibility or that somebody right. might hurt us or whatever it is that helps us cross the street when we need, when we don't feel comfortable or right, whatever it is. But it's, it's how can we get better and better and better at knowing the difference between the burnt toast and the actual fire. And as we were talking about earlier, Rachel, something that was a fire maybe when we were six, but is really right. just smoke when we're an adult, right? When we're six, we need the people around us to help us survive, period. So we don't maybe don't want to hurt a parent's feelings because, right? Whereas an adult, it's a different situation. So that's the first just kind of foundational piece is that fear is natural, normal. And whenever someone is in a process of growth, whenever someone is in, in a, a changing status, which we're always doing when we're reaching our goals, when we're working with a coach, it's just going to bring old fears up. It's um, yeah. regulation happens when things are actually scary or when there's a change of status that's scientifically proven, right? So we want to understand that. 
And then the second foundational piece that we really want to understand is that it, and this goes along with everything that I've been saying. So, so much in the coaching industry, we hear vanquish your fears, destroy your fears, crush your fears. What I want practitioners to consider is that we're not, again, because the smoke alarm, we don't want to vanquish, destroy. We don't even want to release our fears, which I know is like so different than what we see so much out there. Instead, we want to become better friends with the fear. So that we know when it, when to let the fear lead in those situations when it's a fire and when not to let the fear lead, right? We want to create an actual relationship with the fear so that it can support us when it needs to support us, but not be in the driver's seat when another part of ourselves needs to be in, in the driver's seat. And in fact, when we try to vanquish, when we just say like F the fears or, you know, just help, you know, like all the things, what usually happens, the fear clings on even even harder, stronger. Yeah. So we're looking for that friendship. I love that. I think seeing it as a friendship, it was just like an aha moment where I was like, wow, become friends with your fear so that you can talk to it, so that you're not pushing it away. That's right. That's right. Um, and and it gets to be another resource inside of you in the right moments, but yeah. it can also then take the back seat in moments when it's not needed. I love that. I'm so grateful we had this conversation today. I think every coach is going to find value from this conversation for themselves or their clients. Oh, I hope so. I'm so glad to hear it. (laughs) Tell everyone where to find you. Yeah. So my website is kind of long. It's applieddepthinstitute.com. And um, I've got a blog there. There's, there's lots of information and resources And um, you can also download, I've got a PDF on the resistance archetypes and different ways of working with those archetypes. Thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Guys, make sure that you follow up at her website. You can tell from just this conversation today that she's a plethora of knowledge. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was great. All right, guys, that is all for today. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any future episodes. While you're there, it would mean the world to me if you take just a few seconds and leave me an honest review. Truth is, I love honesty. Your reviews help me to reach even more health coaches and wellness professionals who are ready to explode their business and want the truth in this non-BS approach. You can find all the links and the information mentioned in this episode at www.rachelafeldman.com backslash podcast. All right, so don't forget to tag me on Instagram at Rachel A. Feldman and let me know what was your favorite part of the episode. This will help me to create even better content for you Bring on awesome peeps to tell you the truth about how they built their business 
plus other speakers to help you take your business to the top without overwhelm. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you guys soon.